On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with psychotherapist and author Avery Neal about trusting yourself and others after an abusive relationship and what healthy relationships look like. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. With me today, I have Avery Neal. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. And for those that do not know who you are, Avery Neal, Avery Neal is a practicing psychotherapist who is a licensed professional counselor, an international author and speaker. In 2012, Avery opened the Women's Therapy Clinic, which offers psychiatric and counseling support to women. She specializes in depression, anxiety, postpartum depression, helping women recover from divorce and healing from emotional abuse. Avery is passionate about empowering women to discover their own inner strength, leading to their higher self-esteem, confidence, and overall life satisfaction. Avery is also the author of If He's So Great, Why Do I Feel So Bad? Recognizing and Overcoming Subtle Abuse, and which has been translated and published into 12 different languages. Her articles and interviews have been published by Oprah.com, Daily Ohm, Best Self Magazine, Hitched Magazine, Bustle, Pop Sugar, and PKWY Magazine, and her courses have been taken by over 18,000 people worldwide. You can find everything that is Avery Neal at AveryNeal.com. Avery Neal, I've said your name a million times. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And today we are going to discuss a bunch of things. They're all related to each other. We're going to discuss life skills you should have before getting into a relationship. We're going to discuss trusting others and yourself after an abusive relationship. And then we're going to discuss what a healthy relationship looks like. So let's start off right here at the beginning with the life skills that you should have before getting getting into a relationship. And number one, I have on my list right over here is knowing how to manage your, well, before we even get into that, is there anything you want to say about, uh, I guess, before we get into this list, the life skills that you should have before getting into a relationship, before we even list anything? Well, I think this is a great topic to discuss because often we're thinking about if we only met the right person, our life would become wonderful and perfect, et cetera, et cetera. And when we're, when we're telling ourselves that, we're really looking to the other person to complete us or fulfill us in some way that we really need to be tending to ourselves. And it's important to feel like we are really our best possible before entering into a relationship so that we can enter it fully and be our best selves to that partner. And I'm going to read a quote here. And it says, you don't want to be looking to the other person to save you or to make you whole. Over time, this doesn't work well, and it only fosters codependency. Ideally, you want to have a pretty strong sense of self. 
an idea of what you are willing to give in your relationship and what you know you need to receive in return. And that quote was by you. And I, that was in a Bustle magazine. You like the research I've done here? Hey, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so now we'll go into the life skills that you need. Number one on our list is knowing how to manage your emotions. Yes. So this is a really important one. Um, you know, knowing how to manage our emotions uh, ensures that we're really mature enough to handle a relationship without damaging it. So if our emotions are too volatile or if we don't know how to, um, if we don't know how to sort of temper them in stressful situations, it's very easy to take take it out on our partners, which will actually hurt the relationship. So we also don't want to be turning to our partner partner to manage our emotions either. Um, that also sets up a dynamic of codependency that's not healthy for anyone. So it's important that we know how to sort of tend to ourselves, um, ourselves and our emotions. And that's not to say that we're not going to have emotional responses to things. Of course, we're human and that's part of being in a relationship. But we certainly just don't want to get into an unhealthy uh, territory where our emotions are unhealthy or too much for our partner, um, or we end up hurting our partner in some way with our emotions. So just to you know, build on this a, a little bit or just explore this, there's a lot of people that listen to our show who come from families where they were voiceless in a lot of ways, and a lot of their emotions they were not allowed to express. And for me, I was someone who is not, I was there to not rock a boat. So when it comes to anger specifically, I don't know how to be angry. And now I'm in a place in life where I had to learn to be angry. But being angry for your first time doesn't come out great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you don't know what to do. Like everyone's telling you, you're allowed to be angry. So you be angry. And then someone goes, what was that? <laughs> exactly. And then you crawl back under the rock, which you were hiding it from, <laughs> you know, wherever you were, were. So within the context of that, well, I'm just inquiring for myself. How would you tell me to learn how to let my anger loose? Uh, you know, how do I manage that going forward? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are in my boat right now. They absolutely are. And I totally uh, understand what you're saying. And I'm actually glad you brought this up. So emotions are healthy. They're important. We all have them. And anger is certainly a healthy emotion that we want to feel free to not only feel, but also to express. What I'm talking about is a little bit different um, where we take out our anger on our partner in unhealthy ways that hurt our partner, that actually would make our partner feel the way that you were just describing. Things were like when you were growing up where you felt like you couldn't express anger because you were probably too afraid. So that's what I'm talking about. We don't want to make our partner feel that way. Um, as far as your own feelings of anger or your own um, 
feelings that you might be experiencing um, in a relationship. It's great to express those. It's great to talk about them. It's great if you need to get angry and scream into a pillow or, you know, get a tennis racket and hit the couch cushions until all the dust is out of them. You know, great. If you need to run around the block, all of those things are good, healthy outlets if you're having just a surge of anger that needs to be released. And that's releasing that anger without just unloading it on your partner. Um, that being said, to talk about how you're feeling, to express, you know, some of the some of the things that maybe you've been feeling or thinking about um, in a way that doesn't demean or hurt your partner is is fantastic, and it's part of being um, in a good, healthy relationship, and will help you both figure out how to move forward in a constructive way. And up next, we have feeling comfortable being alone. So this is one of my favorites because it is something that so many people struggle with, especially if they're in an unhealthy relationship. Um, And that's a big reason why they're afraid to get out. Um, The fear of being alone and feeling helpless or not meeting someone else. Um, can be crippling. And so a lot of people will sacrifice themselves and stay in unhealthy dynamics just to avoid being alone. So one of the things that I highly recommend before getting into a relationship uh, or before getting into another relationship is to get comfortable being alone, get comfortable with being on your own and learning more about yourself, your interests, your likes, your dislikes, Um, kind of finding who you are all on your own, not in relation to someone else. Um, Once we enter into a relationship, the relationship often becomes the sort of central focus, and it's easy to lose ourselves in that, especially if we come from an abusive background. So it's very important to get comfortable being alone, being um, on our own. That's not to say not socializing. It's important to develop a strong, healthy support system. But we just don't want to get into a space where we're so afraid of being alone that um, that we end up in an unhealthy or compromised position. Do you know what my sister tells me? What? That I'm too comfortable being alone. <laughs> yes, that can happen too. <laughs> what would you say to me how to, be, how, to, how to learn how to live with people again? All right, right. Well, we may have to save that for a whole nother topic, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next on the list, we have knowing how to be a good listener. Yes. So this is another one of my favorites. Um, It's easy to get into the habit of wanting our partners so badly to understand us and how we're feeling that we forget to do the same thing in return. So it's very, very important to practice being a good listener, not just so you're a good partner to someone, but also so you're a good friend, you're a good family member, you're a good coworker, employee, boss, you name it. This is just an important life skill. So when we're a good listener, we're actually showing the other person that we care what they have to say. We care about their experience. And this is imperative if we're going to have closeness, intimacy, and trust in a relationship. And next up on the list, we have being able to apologize. 
Yes, we must be willing to apologize in a relationship. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all hurt our partners or our loved ones um, unintentionally or intentionally. And we need to be able to take responsibility for that and apologize. Um, taking responsibility in a relationship that shows up actually as a theme in a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about here. Um, and, and that's just so, so, so important if we want to have a healthy relationship. And for everyone listening, this is not an apology. I'm sorry, but. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. There should never be a, but. Run if there's a but. (laughs) Yes. Well, and certainly be on the lookout if somebody is twisting things around and pinning it on you. That's that's a problem. That is not an apology. And the next one, being on time. Yes. So being on time is important because it tells the other person that we respect and value their time. Um, the things come up, life happens, we're delayed, we're late, we have, you know, all kinds of things that can come up. But what we're talking about is as an ongoing pattern, we want to be respectful of our partner's time and everyone's time. This is important just as far as a basic life skill. Let me tell you something about being on time. I am mostly 10 to 15 minutes early wherever I go. When you're raised around people that don't have respect for time, (laughs) you become the opposite. And that's what I did. And I always find time... To me, out of, I think probably it will be all the things on this list, to be the most disrespectful thing that your time, it's a, it's a hypocrisy to me that your time isn't worth as much as my time. Yes. And, you know, they say time is money. And, but time here is our life. We only have a certain amount of time here on earth. Stop wasting mine and thinking mine has no value. And that's how I look at it. You know, you're looking at my life of having no value. So if you're going to get into a healthy relationship and you want to really value the other person and who they are, you show up on time. And as they always say, uh, you know, when raising children, showing up is like what? 50% 50% of it, maybe higher, just showing exactly. up, showing up on time. Exactly. Well said. I can go on tangents forever. <laughs> up next, stress management. Yes. So stress management is really imperative for all of us. Most of us have just an insane amount of stress these days. We're living fast-paced lives. There are certainly a variety of stressors uh, that are ongoing at any given time. The problem when we don't manage our stress is not only does it hurt us, which is definitely something that we need to be aware of and pay attention to and tend to, but we also then have the tendency to take it out on others around us. And we don't want to be doing that. That's not a good habit to get into. It's not okay for the people around you. 
Um, so it is important to really um, know how to manage our own stress so that we don't sort of spill over and uh, hurt those around us. I'm an Enneagram type six and I have a lot of anxiety issues. So stress management is a big problem for me, but I will always apologize after something happens. <laughs> Way to go. You take responsibility. Thank you. <laughs> Up next, the ability to say no. The ability to say no. This is such an important one for all of us from a boundary perspective. So when we don't say no, it's easy to get into an issue like we were just talking about with the stress management, where we're too stressed out, we're overrun, and then we take it out on others. So being able to set healthy boundaries, being able to say no when something doesn't feel right, uh, it, it does um, several things. One is it ensures that things don't get past a certain point and we don't become overwhelmed or upset. But it also protects us in the relationship because if we continue to push past our boundaries in a relationship, we become resentful over time. And that ends up corroding the relationship. So we need to be able to say no and speak up uh, when when uh, something's coming up for us and, and something's an issue. It, the, the ability to say no might be everyone's best life lesson as a whole. That's just that sets your boundaries right off the bat. And uh, as far as growing up in all the different types of situation from work, relationships to friendships to dealing with your parents and then intimate relationships, saying no um, in, within your value system, in, in, I guess in my opinion, would be the, the biggest uh, thing you can learn in life. Obviously, you need to have the, a bit of a yes in there, but when it comes to your own personal boundaries, to me, that is a thing everyone should always learn, and it's most likely the thing to get people in the most trouble in their life because of yes, that issue. absolutely, and I think it, that's a great point because what happens is we end up you know, going past our comfort zone. We end up getting pushed past uh past our boundary. And then that ends up not only um, hurting us and we sabotage ourselves, but it, it does end up uh, really corroding the relationship over time as well as we become more and more resentful. And up next, uh, some life skills that you should have before getting into a relationship, managing your money. Tell us about this one. Okay, so this is another one that falls under the umbrella of taking responsibility. So it's important to uh, be responsible when it comes to handling our money so that, one, we have a clear understanding of where we are financially and where we want to be financially so we can establish a clear plan moving forward. But it also ensures that we don't put that onto our partner unnecessarily. We we don't want to be so ambiguous about our own money or so unclear or disorganized that we then become a burden to our partner. So this is one of those sort of basic life skills that's important for everybody to learn. It's empowering, and it also prevents financial issues coming up in the relationship, you know, down the line. And before we go on to the next one, I just want to say to everyone, 
you know, what we're discussing here today or, or, or right now with, with this specific list is about uh, really a lot about balance in, in my opinions. And when we get into unhealthy abusive relationships or toxic relationships, or you could be a codependent yourself, we're talking about things that get out of balance. And when we talk about boundaries, you know, boundaries are a way to start looking at things of putting things into balance in your life, because you don't want anyone to be overdoing things. You don't want anyone to be underdoing things. You want, you know, a good give and take relationship and you want balance in the relationship. So everything we're, we're saying here today, everything Avery is talking about is really all about how to, uh, you know, be on the same level playing field as the person you're with showing up in the exact same way and having a balance. This is a, a way to remember what boundaries are. This is a way to live, we're living in balance. And I just... For some reason, I just thought that was important to just kind of point in there because I'm reading everything here, and I'm like, "This is this is boundaries." You know, they might There's people might theme. not, yeah, people might not think of some of these things as being a boundary, but this is a way to keep yourself in check so no one is jumping over a line, and you don't get yourself into trouble. Absolutely, absolutely, and and the more balanced we are, and the stronger we are before entering in, into a relationship, we are going to also be in a position to attract that in someone else. So if we're all over the place and we don't really, you know, have good boundaries or take care of ourselves, we're more likely to attract a person who matches that, right? But when we are taking care of ourselves, when we're in a good place in our own lives, we're more likely to attract a partner that matches that. And up next, we have cleaning up after yourself. <laughs> yes, that's, again, that responsibility thing. So, you know, the fact is our partner is not our personal servant. Our partner is not there to clean up after us. So this is just sort of a basic courtesy to our partner to, um, you know, take care of ourselves and not put that burden onto them because that that only leads to resentment after after a period of time. And up next, practicing self-care. So this is important for all of us, whether we are in a relationship or not. That self-care is so, so, so very important in order to, like you said, have balance in our lives and to be our best selves um, in, in our lives and for our partners. So without proper self-care, it's easy to get out of balance, run down, um, negative. It's easy to blame others or feel helpless and powerless. And, um, you know, that leads to a whole host of other things, depression, anxiety, addiction, all kinds of self-harming behaviors. So it is really important that we allow ourselves to receive which is something that's often very difficult um, if we've been in an abusive relationship or if we've been mistreated in childhood or in a relationship. Um, but it is really, really, really important to allow ourselves to receive, even if it's receiving from something we're doing for ourselves. And the last one we have on our list is balancing and prioritizing. Yes. So it's important to be able to prioritize what we value. And 
being able to really pay attention to the things that matter most to us, the people who matter most to us, and the the characteristics that we value the most, the life balance that we want to have. You know, this really falls under the umbrella of creating the life that we really want and taking charge of of our lives so that we can create that. And finding balance and prioritizing is a big, big, big piece of that. It's very easy for everything else to take over if we allow it. So it's very important that we are strong and empowered enough to be in charge of our own lives. So once you go through all of these um, life skills before getting into a relationship, a lot of people, once they leave an abusive relationship have a real hard time trusting others again. And they have a really tough time trusting them themselves again. So what are some, um, I guess, ways to help people, help people uh, trust others and trust themselves again? Yes. So this is probably the biggest piece of healing after uh, an abusive relationship that I hear about. You know, people are afraid to get into a relationship again. They're afraid to trust anyone else. It's This goes back to that, um, that piece about creating a safe space for yourself and maybe not wanting to leave it, kind of wanting to make sure that you're going to be okay and that nobody can hurt you again. And this is completely understandable after we've been hurt. It feels a lot safer to to uh, not allow anybody else in enough to hurt us again. The problem with that is most of us have this innate desire to to be loved and to have a connection with others. And so it's important to heal from from past hurts um, so that we can move forward and get closer to that. So I would say there's several things to really keep in mind. Um, The first thing is, it's so easy to say, I don't trust anyone after what happened to me. I, I will never trust again, right? I hear this all the time. So when someone says that, I like to take a step back and ask, is it really that you don't trust others? Or is it more about that you don't trust yourself to pay attention to the warning signs, to pay attention to your intuition? to pay attention to your gut feeling, to set proper boundaries for yourself, to get out of an unhealthy dynamic, because that is really the question. There are going to be people who come across our paths who are untrustworthy. We should not just hand out our trust freely. We need to be paying attention and we need to be observing other people's behavior. But we have this ability to observe others and pay attention to the warning signs that something is not right. We just often ignore our intuition and our feelings about that. And we don't want to hurt their feelings, or we really like this, that, and the other about them. And we just, you know, don't want to pay attention to this big red flag over here. And that's when we start getting into trouble. So the key really is to develop the relationship with yourself so that you trust yourself enough to not only identify the warning signs of of something that's unhealthy or someone that we want to avoid, 
but also to take action and set proper boundaries um, once we recognize those warning signs. So it would be educate yourself, practice, set boundaries, and then trust yourself again. Yes. So we definitely need to educate ourselves first. That is that is step number one. We need to educate ourselves so that we know what is unhealthy. What are the red flags? What are the things that indicate that somebody is not uh, healthy for us? We need to know those things because education is what will uh, empower us to not not end up getting hurt again. Um, the the second piece is that whole boundary piece, which, you know, comes up over and over again. It's learning to set appropriate boundaries for ourselves and knowing how to say no or knowing how to say that doesn't work for me or as much as I care for you, this isn't good for me and I need to let go of this. So those are setting boundaries and that's imperative. Um because there are people who are not trustworthy and we need to be able to let go of those relationships so we can be free to move on to a healthier relationship. So that's that last piece is trusting yourself that you're going to set those boundaries, that you're going to stand up for yourself when you need to, you're going to leave a relationship that's unhealthy and you are going to be open to relationships that are better for you. So one thing in here is the word intuition. And I always like to tell people that who are who are not trusting themselves anymore. Cuz the one thing people always say on the show when it comes to the words of wisdom of our survivor episodes, the number one thing they say is trust your gut. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. And for the most part Everyone's gut told them not to go forward. And I always like to tell everyone, you weren't wrong. Your gut was actually right. Exactly. And it's not that you didn't trust your gut. It's that your gut feelings were overwhelmed by the abusive person you were with. And that could have been done in many different forms. It can be done in the love bombing form. It can be done in the trust building form. It can be done in the future faking form where the initial shot of their love, trust, future faking, or whatever else there is, injection of heroin, becomes so big and powerful that it overtakes the other feelings that are going on. And that's the same as what happens when you are an alcoholic. It's the same with what happens when you are a, what we consider a quote unquote regular drug user. And those things are being used to deaden the other feelings. They're there to numb everything else. So your gut was right. And you should always remember that your gut was right. It's just that the other person that you were with did these things that numbed what was going on. It started to silence it. It was always there. It was just now hidden under this lava that was just going over it and, and then hardening and then, you know, continuing on its way. Because that is the truth of the matter. And that's what everyone should always 
remember that they were right. It's now in, in you used to have to be drug free to, to yes. like, so to, to listen. And that takes work. That takes everyday work. And I guess what I kind of wanted to go from here when it comes to intuition, and I don't know if you have any suggestions, but there's a lot of people that say you can work on harnessing your intuition even more than you already have. Do you believe in that kind of sentiment? And if so, um, how would you go about that? Absolutely. So this is, I think, a really, really important form of self-care. So we all have this intuition. This is like a, this is like a sixth sense, right? It's just that we're not really taught how to pay attention to it. And sort of carrying forth what you were saying, our intuition is there, but we often ignore it or we override it. We, we make assumptions that other people are like us, that they are good, that they are kind, that they have the same motivations as we do, and we want to believe the best in others. And so often, because of that, we will override our own feelings or our own needs because confronting the other person and, and standing up for ourselves and what our intuition is telling us is uncomfortable. We don't want to hurt the other person. We don't want to make them mad, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in order to get to the place where you can, you can begin to strengthen your intuition, you have to, you have to set a boundary within yourself that you will honor that intuition, that you will not just override it to where it's silenced because eventually it, you know, it fizzles out as, you know, if you're overriding it, 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 you know, it goes away. You have to be willing and prepared to say, hey, this is coming up for me. I may not necessarily be able to put my finger on what's wrong here. I may not necessarily have proof or evidence but something doesn't feel right. And I am going to honor that. And how do you differentiate between intuition and anxiety? Oh, this is a great question. (laughs) This is a really good question. Well, so anxiety stems from a place of fear. It stems from a place of helplessness, powerlessness, um, when we feel helpless, powerless, and and afraid, um, the the anxious symptoms start to take over. So we may have, you know, racing, looping thoughts. We may kind of get caught in this cycle where we just can't let something go or we start worrying about all the what-ifs. So that's really sort of sort of how anxiety presents itself. Intuition is more of a nagging feeling that we kind of keep shutting down. Um, It's this feeling in the back of our mind, like something isn't quite feeling right, but I'm going to talk myself out of it, or I don't want to hurt the other person, or I just want to power through. It's, It's not necessarily all of the what ifs and all of the, um, the, the looping thoughts and the uh, constant worry and the inability to sort of uh, control what's happening to us, you know, in our bodies, if we're having panic and that type of thing. Um, The intuition is more of this internal voice saying, 
something doesn't something doesn't feel right here. Something is off. All right. Well, thank you for that because I've been wondering that for a long time and I was like, oh, I think this is a good question to ask right now. <laughs> so after we have our life skills before getting into a relationship and then we're figuring out, okay, uh, trust, I can trust someone after my abusive relationship. I can trust myself. Now I want to get into a relationship again. What does a healthy relationship look like? Okay. So I'm really glad that we're covering this because when we've been in an abusive relationship or if we've grown up in a health, unhealthy environment, excuse me, um, we often have no idea what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like. And, and so that's a total setup to just keep repeating the same hurtful relationships as we've always been in in the past. So this is part of that education piece that's so important to know what a relationship should look like and should feel like. So when we're talking about a, a healthy relationship, we should have a partner who has empathy. We should have empathy for our partner. A healthy relationship has a healthy amount of empathy where we feel like our partner cares about us, cares about our feelings, that there's a sense of safety to be able to talk about things openly. And our partner is trying to understand us and wants to seek resolution. And we're both working together to, to make things right or get things where they need to be in the relationship. In a healthy relationship, both people take responsibility for themselves. So conflict is going to come up. You know, you have two people in a relationship with different backgrounds, different experiences, different beliefs, values, et cetera, et cetera. Things are going to come up. It is normal to have disagreements in a relationship. But during those times of disagreement, we should not question that our partner still loves us. We should not feel dis disrespected or dismissed. We should feel like our partner is really seeking to understand us and that we are really trying to move together toward a solution. And if, if one or both people hurt the other one, that they're both prepared, we're both prepared to take responsibility, to apologize, to right whatever wrong has occurred. So we also should feel secure in our relationship. We should feel like um, who our partner is with us is who our partner is in other areas too, that we can trust, we can trust them, that we trust our partner to be who they say they are and to um, act in the outer and outside world like they would if we were right there. So that's a healthy relationship. In a healthy relationship, we should feel seen like our partner actually sees us and understands us and values us. It's There's not this um, disconnect or this feeling of being objectified or, you know, like we're just serving some sort of purpose. We should feel really seen and valued and cherished by our partner. So, and, and, 
you know, respected as well. I, I, I want to make sure that, that that is something that is really um, uh, called out here is there's a level of respect in the relationship. You, you know, we admire our partner, we respect our partner, and our partner admires and respects us as well. These are the things that are really, really, really important for a relationship to, to be happy and to thrive. Um, and one thing that I think is common when I start talking about what a relationship should look like is people think, oh my gosh, that's too good to be true. That's, that, that just doesn't even exist. That's, that's ridiculous, especially if they, you know somebody's never experienced anything like this. So, but what I want to say is these are actually like bare minimum things to expect. This is, this is just basic, what we should all expect in a relationship and, and be prepared to give to our partner in return. So other things that might be on a list of a healthy relationship, uh, we have um, being allowed to be an individual and encouraged for their successes and like just feeling supported as if you're both there to build each other up and and yes. not to tear each other down. And then another thing that I have here um, that is actually, you know, I have here that I have from you that you gave me is to do with uh, real intimacy in a relationship. And I just want to stick on this one for a tiny bit because what is real intimacy? What does that actually mean? Yes. So real intimacy is when we truly can fully be ourselves in a relationship and feel completely safe in that relationship, that we can express our our deepest thoughts, our dreams, our desires, our fears, our anger, our concerns, and that our partner holds that space for us and is seeking to understand us. And, and we are doing the same in return. That is when real intimacy can occur, when we can share our deepest pain with our partner and feel embraced. That is real intimacy. And this, this extends to the physical relationship, too. I mean, intimacy, most people just think of the physical aspect of the relationship. That's just one component of intimacy. Um, but real intimacy is when you can truly be vulnerable and trust that your partner loves you and is there for you, it embraces you, and wants to understand you. And just one little extra thing, I have a question about that. Is when it comes to things like intimacy and all these things that are shared at this type of level, you know, some people are, uh, these things might happen, but let's say the person is telling you these things when they're not sober, or these things are done in a situation which isn't just us sitting here and talking to each other right now, you know, on the couch, you know, sure. maybe these things are said like in pillow talk after maybe you had sex or, or something along those lines where it's not maybe a regular situation and maybe the things coming out of these people's mouths shouldn't be taken as face value in, in sort of in some sort of ways because they're being done in um, 
I don't know if I'm making sense, but I guess they're being done in a uh, different state. And it's, yeah, in a specific context. Yes. yes. Like, are those situations where you have to kind of take a step back of what is being done here? Is this intimate? Like, where do you, where, is there like a a line? Yeah, no, I think this is a great, this is a great point. And I am glad you're bringing this up. I think what you want to be paying attention to is the pattern of behavior. So, so these kinds of intimate moments that you're describing should not just be happening with somebody when they're drunk or right after sex or when you're breaking up and they don't want to lose you, you know, all of those things. Real intimacy, that there's a consistency with that throughout the the entirety of the relationship. It doesn't get taken away. It doesn't get withheld. It doesn't get retracted. It's not an up and down thing, um, and it's certainly not used as a manipulation. It's There's a real pattern that, you know, I am here for you, and we can have these conversations, you know, in any, any setting, in any context, you know, I, I am here for you, and I, I want to be available to you. I want to show up for you. Now, I mean, that being said, obviously, we can't just have these in-depth conversations on any moment's notice, but there's, there's certainly that um, willingness and that um, desire on the part of our partner to be available to, to us um, consistently. And before we end off here, I just want to remind everyone that a conflict in a relationship is normal and it is healthy and that it's important that both people feel valued and respected even during hard times. And a healthy relationship is based on love, not ownership. There's room for both people to explore separate interests within a relationship and to grow uh, on their own and expand in their own way and to be encouraged to do so. So, Avery Neal, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So before we end off our show, do you have any words uh, about everything that we discussed today and then kind of tell everyone what you're up to these days? Sure. So, you know, what I always like to reiterate, because I think it's so important, and this goes back to the intuition piece, and that is, you know, your feelings are enough. And if your feelings are telling you something, it's important to pay attention to them and to honor them. You don't have to have a list of facts or evidence that something's wrong or that you need to be doing something different. Um, I think to remember that your feelings are enough and allow that to be your guide. Um, It's really, really important, particularly if um, we've experienced an abusive relationship or we're coming out of one, um, to be able to uh, pay attention to those feelings and to honor them. And do you have anything that's uh, on the horizon for you, courses, books, anything? Yes. So I am actually uh, wrapping up my PhD, and um, I'm very excited about that. I should be uh, finishing that in the next couple of months. And I am planning to uh, uh, start speaking more at conferences and doing some more writing. I will be um, starting my next book here shortly. 
And everyone can reach you at AveryNeal.com. That is A-V-E-R-Y-N-E-A-L.com. That will be in the show notes. Avery Neal, thank you so much for being here with us today. And next time we see you, I'm going to be able to call you doctor. There you go. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely. Well, you're welcome. And for those of you who want to be a guest on our Survivor Story show, which is out on Mondays, and then for some people on the West Coast, it's out on Sundays, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there is a button there that says Guest Form. And when you click on that button, it takes you to our guest form page. And there you will read a lot of instructions. Please do read the instructions. And then send us an email from there at uh, NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and click the send button right there. And we can never have enough stories, so please do keep on sending in your stories. For the uh, people in the BIPOC community, we haven't had a lot of stories from the BIPOC community in a very, very long time. So please do send in those stories because those stories help people, and we've been asked for them. So please do send those in. And as well, if you need some support, you can also go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. And at the top of the page, once again, there's a button that says support group. If you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And what's in our safe social network, we have forum boards for you to post and for people to answer. You have uh, Zoom meetings every Wednesday night and Saturday night and every other Thursday afternoon for those people who are stay-at-homes or people who are in different time zones around the world. We have that option now. And uh, what else do we have there? We have ad-free episodes. We have episodes that never made it to air. And if you just want to support our show, please just support our support group by signing up. That's all you have to do. So go to NarcissistApocalypse.com today, press that support group button, and we will see you there. And if you need even more support, everyone, please do go to DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone because DomesticShelters.org will offer you an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you are experiencing, and they can connect you with the local resources so you can find ways to heal and move forward. So please do check out DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource. And once again, a big thank you to Avery Neal for being a guest on our show today. I loved our conversation. I had a great time talking to you. And now... This is it, everyone. We hope you have a good night.